0: This podcast is brought to you by the University of Liverpool and the Envisioning the Indian City Project. As a lifeline to millions of Indians who live along its course, the Ganges has, and continues to be, a significant spiritual and religious home. Here, University of Liverpool PhD student Cleo Roberts looks at the historical visual representation of the river during the colonial period. There is not a river in the world, stated the first volume of the Imperial Gazetteer of India, which has influenced humanity or contributed to the growth of material civilization or of social ethics to such an extent as the Ganges. In the late 17th century, this river, a 1,569 mile course, of tight turns, tumbling tributaries, knotted channels of ever-changing location and depth were the route to Calcutta. For before comprehensive systems of road and rail, this river and its rivulets inaugurated the arrival of Job Charnock, Calcutta's purported founder to East India. Scrambling from a dinghy manned by a local manji up the sides of the Ganges' eastern bank, Charnak landed, and after diplomatic engagements with the Mughal court, he consolidated the cotton and silk-rich terrain of three existing villages, Gobindapur, Sutanuti and Calicutta. From this start, the city became the jewel which sparkled and studded India, the country which crowned the British Empire. The river thus radiated a glow to those British in Bengal and continents and cities beyond. In the Leadenhall headquarters of the East India Company, the director's courtroom was bordered and bound with a painting of the Ganges by George Lambert and Samuel Scott. The river reverberated in the Revenue Committee Room, which was presided over by Roma's depiction of the Ganges taking female form proffering strings of pearls to Britannia. In the eastern corner of Leicester Square, a panoramic view of the river, painted by Robert Burford from the drawings of Captain Robert Smith of His Majesty's 44th Regiment, was presented. Hung in a rotunda, jostles of London's curious and enraptured public paid a shilling to stand in this grand contraption and view the water every day, Sunday excepted, from eleven till dusk. Framed and famed, etched or sketched, this river was emblematic of the city. Yet this was not merely a mythical and imagined river, This river, for the intrepid and those endorsed by the state, was a source of real experience. The salted and sweet water welcomed the canvas sails of East India Company ships. For boatloads of fresh-faced, financially ambitious young griffins passing the Black Pagoda at the entry of the river signalled the start of service. This river carried chests of seed specimens, bottles of French claret, pipes of pale ale, Quicksilver, Dutch cheeses and cages of botany-based creatures of then-curiosity in and out of the city. This river enabled the delivery and departure of an assortment of consumables, facilitating the colonial encounter. This was a river of reward. This was, simultaneously, a river of risk. This river was unwelcoming and washed out the canvas sails of the East India Company ships. Northwesterly freshes, southeasterly monsoons, frequent bores, tidal inundations, boats battled shifting sandbanks, ferocious currents, and rapid tidal turns. This river supported saltpetre fire from competing colonial forces. The Dutch, Danish, Portuguese and French, particularly during the Seven Years' War. The river made the city vulnerable, yet protected. For positioned within a creek, the curve of the river shielded the city. In times of lower tide, the water provided places of refuge away from the city's landed limits. Women and children hid here during the black hole incident. River dacoits, by night, would be shielded along the shore. Nestled below the banks, groups of Bihari boatmen would lay in waiting, planning their plunder of ship stores. The river had a multifaceted role in the creation and consolidation of colonial Calcutta throughout the 18th and 19th century. This is the focus of my research for the ETIC project and my PhD thesis. Starting with visual research, elements of which you will see on the ETIC website, I am investigating this cross-cultural encounter, which was a cacophony of intellectual intrigue, challenge, conflict and compromise. Reading the River Ganges from these representations enables a new perspective on the colonial presence in and around Calcutta. Intriguing characters emerge from the teak decks of East Indiamen, missionaries whose pamphlets would have you believe the river ran red With the blood of Hindus, artists of aristocratic stock, whose engravings of the Ganges and its scenes informed Parisian impressionists such as Delacroix, formidable women arrived to find their fiancés deceased. Actresses came and flung with lords, earls, and the everyman. The Prince of Wales was sailed by the ship Serapis to be greeted by the crowds of Calcutta. Along the river's dusty banks, pious Bengalis and Parsis built steps and colonnaded shelters. These ghat formations assisted bathers in and out of the water. The steps, strewn with flowers, provided access to the goddess. The spots of shade provided places to misbehave. Fakirs, yogis, and sages chanted Gangetic praises. At the river's mouth, British capitalists such as Benjamin Lacan constructed new harbours and dockyards for nautical experiments. Shelters on stilts were sunk into the river's sand to contain cholera. Cuts were made into the land, redirecting the river to allow faster, more efficient movements of trade. This river can be relit and appreciated as the site which created colonial encounter and the spread of empire. This space was, as my thesis is showing, a testbed for technologies, a source of commercial and intellectual riches, which we continue to appreciate in the contemporary today. In the next podcast, we investigate the French presence in India from a researcher in modern languages and cultures.